0: Ever, I'm your host Dave Busing, founder and editor in chief of ComicBookHerald.com, and you are listening to another edition of Updates to the Best Comics of All Time. Today, I'll be going through comics I read in October 2018 and talking about where they rank on ComicBookHerald.com's Best Comics of All Time list. You can find the entire now 450 comics deep roster at ComicBookHerald.com/slash. Best Comics of All Time, with a hyphen between each word in Best Comics of All Time. As always, the Best Comics Ever podcast is brought to you by patreon.com comicbookherald and the support of our wonderful patrons for Comic Book Herald as an enterprise. I'd like to thank some of our mysterious benefactors today. These are the people who are contributing at the mysterious benefactor tier and helping support Comic Book Herald in some truly generous ways. Thank you, Steve Brennan, for your support of Comic Book Herald, and thank you to Professor Pride. Without further ado, let's get into the updates for the best comics of all time. All right, so on this month's edition of Best Comics Ever, the first item on the list that I wanted to go through was Infinite Crisis. This is the 2005 to 2006 DC Comics event. I have recently done a couple things. Uh, first of all, I've started going through the Infinite Crisis Omnibus. A new edition was released here in 2018, and it finally gave me the occasion to go through all of the countdown to Infinite Crisis tie ins in an omnibus style order, as well as a lot of the prelude issues that set up Infinite Crisis. Now, I already have Infinite Crisis here on the best comics of all time list. But honestly, I have it uh, very low. It is below Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I had at number three hundred. And let's let's do a little little history here. Crisis on Infinite Earths is the DC Comics event that happened in 1985 that you promised worlds will live and worlds will die. And basically, what it did is it took the vast, enormous, kind of unwieldy DC multiverse which spanned back to action comics number one in the debut of Superman in the golden age of comics in 1939. And it took all that history that DC had accumulated since that time and brought it up to 1985 and brought all those characters and all those worlds together in one massive 12 issue story told by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Now, if you read Crisis on Infinite Earths, it is a big old cosmic event with the introduction of the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor as sort of these major cosmic characters that the heroes need to deal with and combat. Um, but what it is sort of editorially is a, ma- a streamlining of DC continuity and basically setting up uh, one Earth essentially sort of doing away with the multiverse and sort of this unwieldy, you know, impossible thing where they have all these characters who are around in the 40s who are around now and somehow are the same age and this, that, and the other, and making it all a little more streamlined. Now, this being comics, 20 years later, DC said, we've got to acknowledge and celebrate the occasion of this massive event, which was quite successful, and um, for all of its problems that it, you know, couldn't quite solve as far as comics continuity are concerned. You know, out of Crisis on Infinite Earths, you got Batman Year One, the Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli origin story of Batman, which is an all-timer. You got John Byrne on Man of Steel, and then the Superman franchise, which is um, still held up by a lot of Superman fans as some of the best work on the character. You got George Perez on Wonder Woman, and on and on and on, on through the 1990s, at least until Zero Hour hit and everyone realized Continuity was still quite a mess, as it is wont to be. But anyway, in 2005, 2006, writer Jeff Johns launched um, or wrote the Infinite Crisis event, which is a callback to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, I will say Infinite Crisis will not make much sense. Frankly, any sense at all, if you are at least not familiar with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, Crisis, I think, does read dated as if it came out in 1985. Nonetheless, uh, it's interesting and important, and it plays a huge role in Infinite Crisis. So I had ranked this, uh, this DC event originally basically just as the seven issue main event series. And as it stands, when you read it like that, without the context of all the tie-ins and kind of the buildup, and, and really the fact that Infinite Crisis is um, it's a part of a movement in DC Comics of an era that in a lot of ways starts or comes out of 2004's Identity Crisis, which we've talked about on here a bit. But basically, Identity Crisis sort of gets the ball rolling into this era of DC where the Justice League is at each other's heels over what they've done as far as manipulating people's memories and taking some liberties with, you know, basically what their role should be in in attempting to cure villains. You've got uh, DC villains banding together as what is known as the Society. So you have the likes of Lex Luthor, Talial al Ghul, Black Adam... Deathstroke all coming together and basically saying, you know, if we team up, if we all work together, uh, we can do, we can do so much more. So anyway, there's a whole bunch of things going on during this time and it really helps inform Infinite Crisis as an event. Now the Omnibus edition does a really nice job, I think, bringing together all the countdown issues. There's an 80 page giant that tells the story of Booster Gold investigating some some dark corners of the DC universe that seem to be awry, and nobody will quite believe him because Booster Gold—or not Booster Gold, excuse me—he's involved, but it's actually his pal, uh, Blue Beetle, Ted Kord. Um, so, anyway, that that narrative and that um, backdrop, frankly, it makes Infinite Crisis a lot better, and it sets up the four major countdown issues, which are the Omatch Project, Day of Vengeance, and with in which uh, DC Specter attempts to eradicate all magic from the universe. Um, you have, I'm, I'm blanking now as I go through them, really should have written down the, the four countdown. You have the Rand Thanagar War, in which Adam Strange's planet Rand takes on the Hawks, sort of the Hawkman planet of Thanagar. And there's one more, I'm gonna get it. It's gonna be their Villains United, which is written by Gail Simone and with art by dale eaglesham and it's one of my favorite comics that i've read in quite some time so at least from this era so rather than rank all those individually i'm going to lump them into the infinite crisis narrative as a whole and what that's going to do for me is it's going to move the infinite crisis ranking up quite a bit so i had it at 402 again i think when you read these countdown issues again with you know we have a lot of really good comic book talent on these books at this time again like i mentioned you've got gail simone turning Catman into one of the most beloved sort of underrated dc characters in villains united and and that series would go on to become secret six which is i think a fan favorite is safe to say. You got Greg Rucca writing the Omac project and, and some of the Superman stories and Batman stories that are coming out at the time. Rucca of course is, you know, on this list repeatedly with a lot of his comics work. And then of course when you get to the main event you got Jeff Johns, who's a, a huge name. In DC Comics throughout this time period. Uh, Infinite Crisis is coming, you know, hot on the heels of his work with Green Lantern Rebirth, which of course, of course brought back Hal Jordan and made Green Lantern one of the um, DC's biggest franchise throughout the 2000s, and especially the late 2000s. So looking at where this should be re-ranked, um, I'm gonna say it's better than Crisis on Infinite Earths. I would much rather read this modern version with all of the uh tie-ins than i would crisis the original with all of its tie-ins i having done that very recently that is a bit of a slog so i would also say it's better than identity crisis in that this is infinite crisis is dc cosmic and it is dealing with all sorts of sort of crazy cosmic action in a way that identity crisis does not Uh, and I just tend to prefer that. Uh, Right above Identity Crisis, I've got All-New Wolverine, the Marvel series. Let's see, scrolling up a bit, I've got Doom 2099. That is ranked 288th on the list. If we go all the way up to 250, I've got Batman Nightfall at 249. That's another pretty unwieldy uh, DC sort of crossover in which that is the story in which Bane breaks the bat. I am somewhat inclined to say infinite crisis taken as a whole is better than that. Even though nightfall is pretty fun. And again, like once we get up inside the two fifties, we're going through a lot of comics that I quite like. Um, in general, these are books that I would recommend people read. If we scroll all the way up to the, 200 range let's see i don't think it's better than the 2016 hawkeye which again is only 16 issues and obviously a much smaller scale but that series of kate bishop as hawkeye written by kelly thompson is pretty top notch uh okay i've got another dc event here at 223rd on the list and that's the new 52 justice league forever evil I would say Infinite Crisis with the Countdown Connections is better than that. I'm going to put it better than X-Men Red Volume 1 for now because that's just the first volume. I haven't read quite enough of it. Uh, We're going to move up the list here to, that's actually, okay, so I already said I didn't like it quite as much as Hawkeye. I do like it more than Outcast Volume 1, which is written by Robert Kirkman. That means we're going to put it in between those two comics. It's going to be the new number 215 on the list. So that is a pretty big move up the charts for DC's Infinite Crisis. So I'm going to rank it here on the list. And again, I think that's, you know, it's one thing that I do say, I think tie-ins and crossovers get a pretty bad rap here in 2018 because publishers have frankly abused the privilege and there are too many books that tie in that are, or are called tie-ins that are really just blatant cash grabs and don't really add much to the narrative. But again, this Infinite Crisis Omnibus edition from DC does a really good job of weeding out that filler and the stuff that, you know, maybe is less essential and of actually adding to a story that really crafts what um, was an interesting time in DC comics. And it does so in, uh, in some pretty engaging ways. So that's going to take us to the next few comics on the list. Now, mostly because I've been reading this giant omnibus, uh, I haven't been reading nearly as many additional uh new comic series you know there's some one-offs here and there uh mostly it's going to be the marvel series that i read to update here on the best comics ever podcast for our new marvel unlimited story arcs and uh, i've got one image series so i'll go through the first two marvel books because i've already talked about those in brief before i go a little more in depth into the image series uh, the first one on the list is Moon Knight, Crazy Runs in the Family. Again, as I talked about in the last issue, or the last episode of Best Comics Ever, this was my favorite Marvel read from the Marvel Legacy era stories that have been added to uh, to Marvel Unlimited over the past, towards the end of October. And Crazy Runs in the Family, written by Max Bemis with art by Jason Burroughs, with excellent art throughout by Jason Burroughs, is my favorite Moon Knight story. I would say since uh, Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey wrote in your perfect six issues at the start of the Marvel now era. Um, That's not to denigrate Jeff Lemire and Greg Smollett's work on the character their 14 issue run that precedes Moon Knight crazy runs in the family is very, very good. Um, But again, it speaks to Moon Knight as sort of this creative um, fertile ground for creators in the Marvel universe of late. So let's see, this is again, just five issues. uh, of single story arc it there the moon knight run of Venice and burrows does continue but i would say it it does drop off quite a bit as it proceeds past this point uh, i would say crazy runs in the family is better than all new wolverine in its entirety i don't think it's better than marvel two and one volume one but i do probably like it more than peter parker the spectacular spider-man Written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Adam Kubert. So that's where it's going to go. The new number 260 on the list is Moon Knight, Crazy Runs in the Family. Put that on the ranking here. And again, you can find all of these updated rankings on comicbookherald.com slash the best comics ever so that's going to bring us to jessica jones volume two meaning the entire second series of jessica jones written by brian michael bendis with art by michael gatos These are the characters' creators. They created Jessica Jones back in the early 2000s in the Marvel Max line series known as Alias. Of course, since that time, Jessica Jones has blown up, not only in the Marvel Comics universe, but in Marvel Netflix in particular, where she has become, uh, you know, closer to a household name as part of Marvel Netflix's Defenders. The second series of Jessica Jones could have been a, a pretty pitiful cash grab and and an attempt to you know really really try and just get a comic out there because the netflix series was popular um but because they brought the original creators to it and because frankly this is where bendis was at his best with marvel in a lot of ways um writing stories like this you know private eye jessica jones a creation of his um in addition to of course his many many other very good works a la ultimate spider-man uh it's a good it's a good book it goes about i think 18 issues total. Um, and runs into the Marvel Legacy era before it it wraps up somewhat conclusively. And I would really recommend this Jessica Jones series to, frankly, anyone who has seen uh, the Netflix show and wants to know a little bit about her um, in the comics world. Now, I think Alias is better, you know, where she starts out. Those 20-some issues are some of my favorite. I think they're close to the top 50 on this list um, of all time rankings, but Jessica Jones volume two is, is no slouch. So I've already said it's not going to go as high as Moon Knight. Uh, nonetheless, it's not going to be too far under that. I would say Jessica Jones volume two can split some of the difference on the Valiant books. I've got a little bit below that. I think it's probably better than Ninjack. Uh, it's probably better. Eh, it might be better in all these, honestly. It's really good. Um, Bendis gets a a bad rap I've talked about. Uh towards the latter years and some of it's deserved for some comics that are not his best work, and frankly, he's kind of constantly overproducing throughout the twenty tens at Marvel. But uh when it came to Jessica Jones, he was very good. The the final arc is the return of the purple man, and it really deals with a lot of the lingering um issues that that jessica you know, has from the purple man's manipulation and essentially taking over her personality and taking over her mind and and abusing her and assaulting her for such a long period of time so let's see given all that i'm going to put it right underneath batman under the hood which is a pretty impactful dc story and that's going to put it close to the 250 range on the old list here so let's put it in there that's going to put it at 265 on the list which again might sound low that's still pretty good uh so next on the list for image comic series written by joe henderson with art by lee Garbitt, it is skyward this series is getting a healthy amount of buzz and it's skyward volume one i should clarify and for good reason it's a really solidly executed concept uh, henderson is the showrunner of or was the showrunner of fox's lucifer series which i thought was was really quite fun um, it didn't match the pretentious air of Sandman spinoff Lucifer by um, released by Vertigo Comics, and I say pretentious in this case, frankly, quite fondly, because it is it is artsy in a way that is high-minded and and intelligent. Um, Lucifer on television was playing more with with elements of humor and kind of a classic procedural. Uh, detective story, but nonetheless was was good, all of which is to say Henderson knows how to tell a good story and how to uh, extend a good concept, and Skyward is absolutely that. So basically the first volume is called My Low-G Life, and Low-G in this case is gravity. Uh, Skyward is a case where the Earth's gravity has been taken for granted for years upon years, and it is now in a state where basically it barely works so there's a little gravity right like not everything is floating away all the time but it's very very light so people who if you jump essentially there's a chance you might just float up into space and never come down so it's kind of scary in that sense but it's basically society learning to live and move on in this world where gravity uh, is no longer much of a thing and can't be taken for granted And it follows the, the story of a woman who is sort of learning that her father had some role in this, this big uh, G day and kind of a mystery about what, what role he had and what he knows and what he can do to bring gravity back and, and whether or not, you know, we would even want gravity back. So it's a good first volume. It really kicks off an interesting new concept. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this might already be in talks to be a TV show would not surprise me one bit. I think it's going to go inside the top 300 most likely. It's not going to go super high. Um, I'm looking here. It's, I'm going to say between identity crisis and crisis on infinite earths is probably about right. And that's going to push it. Uh, just at about that 300 ranking territory. So let's put in here Skyward, and I'm going to get to the last book I'm going to discuss today. It's Amazing Spider-Man Family Business. This is part of the original graphic novel series that Marvel was putting out for a short while. These are about 100-page hardcovers. This one's written by mark wade with art by gabrielle del Otto, who has a um, very cool painted style that uh, was pretty big in the mid 2000s with marvel with uh, an event that he drew called secret war um, not to be confused with secret wars plural nonetheless uh, amazing spider-man family business is it's a really good light spidey read if you haven't checked it out uh, wade hasn't been on spider-man as a a title as the main writer oddly enough for all of the marvel series that he has covered um and it's good to see him writing peter parker so this book is a it's kind of a spy story that plays with um peter's parents being former cia agents which is a concept that really got sort of popularized throughout the um the 1990s i think the animated series especially really brought that to the forefront of some people's knowledge, and it it brings up uh, whether or not Peter Parker might have a sister. And basically, you then have the kingpin of crime playing with, you know, what does he know about this information? What does he know about the connection between Spider-Man and Peter Parker? And how can he manipulate that to his own ends? So again, it's a short brief read that I would recommend to Spidey fans. I would particularly recommend it, I think, to uh, anybody who wants to get into the Spectacular Spider-Man series written by Chip Zdarsky, it really draws heavily on this series that was released for this graphic novel that was released in 2014. Uh, anyone who just played PS4 or Marvel Spider-Man is probably going to find uh, some good stuff in this graphic novel as well. It's not incredible by any measure, but it's good. And I would say, you know, that's going to put it, again, below Skyward. I would say not as good as Mark Wade's work on flash born to run which I currently have a 302 on the list that's sort of a wally west origin story as flash um, it's not as simply sort of gorgeous and intelligent as or yeah, that's probably not quite the right word but as moon cop and Chrono knots uh, I do think I like it more than Greg Rucka's first Uh, volume on DC Rebirth Wonder Woman. Oh, that's not what that is. No, no, no. At 306, I've got Wonder Woman by Rucka. That is his 2000s work on the character, not Rebirth. I would actually say it's not quite that good. Uh, That's going to mean I'm looking down slightly... I'm looking here at Manhunter, a series I put on the list not too long ago. 2004 series that sort of launched out of Identity Crisis. This is with uh, writer Mark Andrejko and artist Jesus Saez with an all-new Manhunter taking on vigilante justice on her own terms district attorney by day fighting crime by night it's actually very good i'm going to put amazing spider-man founding business right below that and ahead of Lion Forge comics noble so that's going to sum up the comics that i'll be adding to the best comics of all time list thanks for listening as always again you can find more of my rating and work at comicbookherald.com. Music for Best Comics Ever is by Anthony Weiss. You can go to com to hear more of his music. As always, support is from patreon.com slash comicbookherald, and you can go there to learn more about bonuses and benefits that patrons and backers of the site are uh, able to receive. So thanks to everyone for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics. (laughs) We'll <laughs>